What right does anyone have to restrict the growth of the kingdom of God to the spiritual realm alone? Rather, are we not obliged to apply this process of the kingdom's forces to human society as a whole? Has the kingdom's force not made itself felt in every area of our life, in the spiritual, the social, and the material? Christianity is being carried forth into the world, coming into contact with the elements and laws of human life, and through that contact, modifying and changing life entirely. From Pro-Reg by Abraham Kuyper. You're listening to Plowing and Planting, a practical podcast all about helping Christians follow Christ in everyday life. In all that we do, we seek to plow and plant the goodness of the gospel and pray that God would give the growth. Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome back to Plowing and Planting. This is the second episode of The Reboot. Uh, we are starting again uh, this podcast, this ministry that, that we've taken up uh, a number of years ago and, and then shut down and now have re-begun because we feel the need and see the need uh, in the life of our church and in the life of uh, really our city mm-hmm. uh, and other churches in our city to, to think through some of the big issues that are facing uh, some of the big issues that are facing Christians in the world today, uh, some of the different things that we have to wrestle through. Uh, now and, and more and more as we live in a world that is opposed or rejects uh, biblical Christianity, rejects Christ of the Bible, rejects the King of Kings. And so uh, in the last episode, we asked really a, a basic and fundamental question, and that was, can Christians actually change the world? Uh, I don't know about you, brother, but when I, uh, when I was in college, uh, there was a real big movement, and it really circled, I think, around the Passion Conference and those guys mm-hmm. uh, about changing the world. Yeah. And there was all kinds of different uh, ministries, uh, I don't know what you would call them, initiatives mm-hmm. uh, to try to take the gospel to the furthest reaches of the world, to the 1040 window, mm-hmm. uh, and, and try to reach the world. Uh, and it feels like, to some degree, that... That heart has either fizzled out or it's become more, at least in those circles from what I see now, much more introspective, much more focused on individualism, identity politics. Mm. Um, And a lot of those guys, even in that movement, have uh, quote-unquote deconstructed their faith. And so they're not out there preaching the gospel uh, on the corners of nations where it has never been proclaimed. We don't want to be like that. Nope. I don't know if that was your experience. Yeah. Yeah. yeah similar. Yeah, and so so last time we just began asking this question of, of can Christians actually change the world, revisiting a very old question at this point. Uh, and we talked through things like eschatology. We talked through things like the view of the kingdom of God. Uh, and we talked about really how we are eschatologically hopeful, um, at mm-hmm. least right now, <laughs> of, yeah. Maybe not tomorrow, but today we are. Uh, that 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 things are going to get better uh, for Christ's people. That the gospel is going to fulfill the mission. That mm-hmm. that, that that the great commission will be fulfilled. Um, not to say that it will not be through much turmoil, much right. uh, trial, mm-hmm. even bloodshed. But but the great commission will succeed. Yeah. Uh, and I think I don't know if we mentioned this last time. 
But I think whether you are pre-mill, on-mill, or post-mill, you can still be hopeful in all of those. Should be. Right? Yeah. Uh, like Charles Spurgeon, more or less, was pre-millennial. Mm-hmm. But he was very hopeful for the Great Commission. Yeah. Right? Uh, we've got lots of, uh, lots of folks uh, kind of all over the board in our church. But, but I think as a church... We're trying to instill uh, this 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 reality that God is a God who makes promises, and He's a God who keeps promises. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in light of that, we can live with a victorious, future-looking gaze, if you yeah. will. I don't know. I, maybe that yeah. it's helpful just to recap that. I think. Yeah. Well, and I think you, you bringing up what what things were like for you back in college is a good good segue into that as well. Because I, even as you were saying that, I'm wondering how much because. Uh, there, it did seem broadly more folks were hopeful, more folks had optimism about the Great Commission going forward, uh, more folks were kind of having that big picture idea of we're going to reach the world, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm wondering, culturally speaking, here in the U.S., how much the 80s and early 90s had had kind of shifted and moved people's thinking in a positive direction as there was so much economic prosperity late 80s early 90s mm-hmm. into the early 2000s yeah, yeah. before 2008 right yeah that that during that time we saw that movement kind of spring up yeah and how much of that may have been driven by the culture and just the economic prosperity that was going on in the in the land mm-hmm. and um in relative peace along a lot of those years as well yeah uh with the exception of 9-11 and then obviously yeah. we went into war after that but but here at home, you know, that that was still very separated from us, yeah. at, you know, taking out September 11th. Yeah. It was mostly separated from us. And so we yeah. had this kind of optimistic culture at the time. And then 2008 happened, the economic crash and all those things. And since then, it's, it seemed like it's kind of been on a steady, pessimistic track, yeah. right? That, that things have gotten more and more pessimistic culturally. Yeah. And we've also seen a lot of, you know, glorification of the, the degradation of humanity, all right, mm. uh, as, as we've gone. That's a big so, phrase. Yeah, thanks. That just, you wanna... just popped into my head. That's good. Uh, <laughs> That's but good. So, yeah, so even thinking things about... Things are getting ugly. Yeah, so thinking about yeah. where, where we're wanting to go and pick up is is what is, the, what is it actually like to live in a broken world and, and kind of moving into this negative world. Mm-hmm. And, and the way you started out just made me think, man, I wonder how much... And I think I asked this a little bit last time, but it just maybe even more so the culture that we swim in, right? That we're just yeah. so unaware of what drives us a lot of times mm. that the this communal sense of of life, of how yeah. things are going, yeah. even as Christians, it tends to affect us, whether we recognize it or not. Yeah, no, that's good. That's helpful because, and this is why I think it's helpful, because I think if we, if we had one goal this season in, in really wanting to... Uh, to restart what we're doing here, I think that that would be our goal. If, if other folks outside of our church listen to this, uh, praise the Lord, we hope that it, it is a blessing to you. Mm-hmm. But if there was one goal for our people, it would be that through these conversations that we have, uh, through the teaching and preaching ministry of our church, through mm-hmm. the on-the-ground discipling that is happening happening in our church, that there would be a growing sense of we are in a dark, dark world, mm-hmm. but we are a city on a hill. Mm-hmm. We are going to be salt. We are going to be light. We will not hide our light under the basket. Yeah. We will shine bright. We will press forward. Right. Yeah. Yesterday in my sermon, I quoted uh, Matthew 14, where Jesus is talking about John the Baptist. Uh, and, and he makes this really interesting statement that um, 
that up until that time, the time of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God had suffered violence, and the violent mm-hmm. take it by storm. The violent take it by force. And and there's a lot of interpretations of what that verse means, but but there the the best understanding of that, I think, is from Thomas Watson, mm. uh, the Puritan who wrote a book called Heaven Taken by Storm. It's a wonderful book, uh, but it is this very idea that those who are in the kingdom of God must fight for that kingdom, and they must take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, must, they must ascend the hill, as it were. And we talked about this last time, that we want to, we want to draw our people to, mm-hmm. to not stand at the bottom of the hill of this negative world that we live in yeah. and be like, well, it's hopeless, it's useless, we better hunker down, and let's just sing some feel-good songs, right. and let's just kind of float along and try to keep our heads down, and, and we'll, just, we'll just wait till we reach... The new heavens and new earth before we're mm-hmm. we're triumphant again. Yeah, and I think that attitude lends even more toward the influence of the culture, right? Mm. That, that when we don't have that forward thinking, make progress, take ground attitude and mentality, that and, and posture, then we're more likely to absorb the cultural uh, zeitgeist of what's going on around us. And, yeah. and so what, what we want our people to be aware of are the schemes of the devil, right? Yeah. That we would not be unaware and be caught off guard and mm-hmm. be, be lulled to sleep, yeah. lulled so you're to saying complacency. complacency. Complacency would lead to uh, having a, a poison pill snuck in. Yeah, I think so. And, and just being unaware of how much the culture influences us. Because what's happened is, is the church, broadly speaking, right? You've, you've got those that... that oftentimes are considered extremists, right, who, who are really secluded from the world and try to not to let the culture affect them at all. Um, and so we've got those kind of folks kind of on one side, but then most of the folks, most of the rest of the church, it seems, broadly speaking, again, across denominational lines with exceptions, it, it seems that the church has just been kind of drug along, right, mm-hmm. by the culture. Mm-hmm. That as the, mm-hmm. as the culture has gone farther and farther and farther away from God's law and His standards, that the church has become very lax on a lot of these things. And, well, yeah, and like we're not getting stronger. We're not. Yes, we're not getting stronger, and we're looking a lot like the world, yep. both in how we talk, how we think, how we work, how we have families, yep. how we think about marriage and sexuality mm-hmm. and procreation. Yep. We are more influenced by the world yep. in a lot of those areas than we are by God's Word. Yeah. No, and that's exactly what we want to talk about this season is we want to get biblical Mm -hmm. on what does it look like to live in a dark world as Christians who don't want to be. Right. As Christians, let me me explain what I mean by that. As Christians who don't want to be dark themselves, Mm -hmm. yes, but as Christians who don't want to live in a dark world, i.e. they want to see the world... Brightened with the kingdom of God, right? Right. So, so that's that's really the 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 nub of what we're trying to say mm-hmm. is that Christians, uh, we want to see people grow in their in in their aggressiveness, not not physical aggressiveness, mm-hmm. but but their 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 spiritual aggressiveness yeah. to make an impact, yeah. right? Uh, and so, so that's really what we talked about last time. Which brings me to, to a thing, something we were talking about a second ago, and, and I'll put it to you again and, and just let you, uh, let you uh, what's the word when somebody skitty dat doop dat doop dee? I don't, I don't know. Okay. No. You know, go Ad, jazz. Yeah, I don't remember. I'll, I'll I don't let know. you 
jazz riff on this question. Riff on it. There you go. There's a riff, riff on it. That's, that, that's that'll what work. It was. Okay. Uh, I said something on Twitter uh, a few weeks ago. I don't even remember what it was about the kingdom of God. And somebody responded with a comment that they didn't like the way that I said what I said. That I it came across as if I was saying that it's the job of Christians to bring about the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their clarification, their clarifying comment, which I thought was actually a helpful comment. I agree with them. I don't know how they got what they said out of what I said. Whatever. Um, but they said that the kingdom of God is not something that we bring in. It's something that we declare because it's already here, mm. which I think is a very helpful comment. That we expose, I think is what you said. Yeah, we expose yeah. the kingdom of God that's already present, that mm. when Christ came, he brought the kingdom of God. When the king shows up, mm. the kingdom goes wherever he goes. Yeah. And so when he conquered through his death and resurrection, the kingdom mm-hmm. was, was established. Mm-hmm. The job now of Christians is to, to reveal that. Mm-hmm. That changes how we actually talk about the kingdom of God, though. Sure. And that's one of the things I was, I was bringing it up to you is even here on this episode, last episode, are we, how do we talk about the kingdom of God? You know? Yeah. Go ahead. So yeah. I, I think part of that may be um, an overrealized eschatology on his part, possibly in that what what Christ has commanded his church to be about is uh, building the kingdom, is, mm-hmm. is to be about proclaiming the lordship of Christ in all things, mm-hmm. right? And so that, that's where you get kind of the idea of exposing it, right? But his lordship is not being uh, fully executed in mm-hmm. a visible way mm-hmm. to, to everything around us, right? Yeah. It, currently, uh, it's not... His will being done on earth as it is in heaven. That's right. right? People are still sinning and rebelling against him. Yeah. And so I, th- I think the language of bringing the kingdom to bear on our own lives, our families, our churches, our communities is an appropriate language because it, it's it's not just expo- exposing the kingdom; it's applying the kingdom mm. to our lives. Yeah. It, it's applying the, our kingdom citizenship to our lives, to our work, to our families, to everything. Like I just said. So yeah. I, I think I think it can be helpful to say yes. In one sense, we're just exposing that that Christ is Lord, mm-hmm. but it, it goes beyond just saying Christ is Lord. Mm-hmm. It, you have to apply that, and that's bringing the kingdom to bear yeah. on your family, on your church, on your community. Yeah. Two thoughts come off of that. Number mm-hmm. one, yeah, I think a helpful way to maybe clarify that is that uh, we don't build the kingdom. Christ builds the kingdom, That's but right. we are the means by which he does it. That's we right. are the tools in his hands. That's right. To, to use a book that recently a number of our church members mm-hmm. received as a gift, Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands. Right. Uh, you, could, you could change the title of that and say that we are instruments in the kingdom builder's hands. Mm-hmm. We are instruments in the king's hands. We are his tools. Yeah. Um, which, which also makes me think, uh, you were talking about the idea of, of the kingdom being accomplished and then applied mm-hmm. uh, based on John Murray's book, right. which is on particular redemption, redemption yeah. accomplished and applied. Somebody should write volume two, which would be also be called uh, Redemption Accomplished and Applied, but but realizing that, because that book's all about or, your personal redemption. Yeah. The what kingdom accomplished like? and applied. Yeah, like what is that? So we'll get... I go. have these every once in a while, get like book it. ideas. Yep. I mean, I have... I had one here somewhere. I got an entire book outline on how we can be warm and reformed. Yeah, I'm still Don't working on it. Say the title again. Uh, maybe it'll be called. <laughs> maybe it'll be called reformed. No, please not. Uh, 
But uh, I think the best chapter is, uh, okay, here's the best two chapters. Uh, chapter number one, Doctrines of Grace, not Doctrines of Grim. Mm, okay, go. that's yeah. good. And uh, here's, the, here's the conclusion. The title of the conclusion for the book is, Do You Even Smile, Bro? <laughs> uh, which I think is... Uh, Occasionally. I've been accused of not smiling much. <laughs> A lot of my kids' friends are afraid of me because they think I don't smile. One of the things I think is so funny about uh, Brian Snicker, who is the Atlanta Braves uh, manager, mm. is when he does smile, he's still frowning. It, you could go look at a picture <laughs> of him. It's the it's the funniest thing in the world. Yeah, I've got a pretty flat smile, so unless yeah. I'm smiling big, it yeah. just looks like a normal yeah. face. I just assume you're always <laughs> smiling at me. Thank you. Thank <laughs> yes. you. That's a better assumption than I'm yeah, frowning love at Love hopes you. all things. Yes. So, so okay, so the kingdom of God is something that we... Uh, is that we bring uh, to bear. We, mm. we, we are used by the king to bring his kingdom about. Yeah. Uh, and we do this personally. We do this in our families. We mm. do this as a church. We do mm. this in the world, right? And so we're not, we're not going to get into big conversations about things like Christian nationalism and all that. But, but, oh. but <laughs> maybe someday we will. But that's, we want to start small. Yeah. We want to start with the seed, uh, and that being individuals that God saves and then brings mm-hmm. together uh, in two spheres mainly, in the family and in the church. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what do those spheres look like? What, is, what does it look like to uh, operate well in those spheres? And so that, that kind of gets at the question that I'll pre- press to us now is, is how do we create a localized Christendom? Mm-hmm. Uh, for for not for lack of a better phrase, I think the best phrase. Um, a lot of times that word Christendom, uh, at least today, gets used. This is really funny. Gets used, uh, and a lot of times it's partnered with like Christian nationalism. Mm-hmm. This idea of building a Christian kingdom, right? right? Uh, but historically, it's just a word that has meant the Christian. Conglomerate. Yeah, the rule of Christ over his church. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And whatever iteration that church finds itself in, whether that's right. a Christian husband and wife and mm-hmm. father and mother leading their family, yeah. or a Christian church, or mm-hmm. a Christian business owner, right? Yeah. This is why we see the book of Ephesians covers all three. Yeah, it's all part Imagine of that. Yeah. But, but the reason I say it's funny is because uh, I don't know if you saw the... The abomination of a talk that Andy Stanley gave uh, at his church a few weeks ago. I would that, like it. the plague. Okay, yeah. good. I, you're probably better for it. <laughs> uh, basically, he gave a defense for why his church hosted yeah. a um, homosexual, well, everybody-friendly conference. Yeah. And he literally talked about Christendom mm. in what he was saying. And I'm like, did anybody pick up on this? Mm. <laughs> Wait a second. He he believes in a Christendom, but it is a definitely a different kind of Christendom that we that we believe in. Right. It is not the same thing. Oh boy. Anyways, what 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 we're arguing for, just to just to put it plain and simple, is we're arguing for a localized Christendom mm-hmm. that we would have a city that it experiences a reformation yeah. that rolls over into a revival. Right, and and we made this case last year when we went through the minor prophets that reformation also always precedes revival. Mm-hmm. That there's a reforming of the mind and the heart, 
uh, and the life that leads to a growing revival, an explosive work of the Spirit. And mm-hmm. this is how it's been throughout history. Yeah. So what we want to see, uh, and I was thinking about this in light of, I know I'm droning on, I'm sorry, I'm going to give you a chance to jump no, in you're here. You're fine. Uh, is I was thinking about this today. We're having the Reformation service with like 10 other churches in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not going to be here. You're yeah. in Europe. You don't care no, about I'm that. But be, I'm, the, sad, no. I'm sad to miss it. Yes. Amen. Unfortunate timing. Um, it's good for us to gather and to celebrate the Reformation. Mm-hmm. And, and I think our brother Charlie will bring this point home. Uh, and I definitely will in just the opening comments. In gathering to celebrate the Reformation, we're also prayerfully hoping that the Lord will bring a new reformation. That's right. Um, and so so that's what we're arguing for. And even in that, like seeing more churches willing and, and excited about being involved with it this year yeah. is encouraging, yeah. right? That, that that might be a sign of God's grace at work in bringing that Christendom a little bit more to bear mm-hmm. as churches partner together across mm-hmm. denominational lines to celebrate the Reformation and to to pray together, to worship mm-hmm. God together, and yeah. to uh, to plead with Him for further reformation of us, and that yeah. He would use this uh, as a time for for Christians all around the city, located all around the city, the county, that will come several hundred. That it would be a time of fellowship, and, mm-hmm. and oh, uh, you know, you're one of us too, right? That, yeah. Oh, I didn't, you know, I've I've run into a at, at a previous Reformation service, I ran into a lady that opened my account at a bank. Yeah. Had no idea, right? Yeah. Oh, you're one of us, right? We're, you're we're, a Christian we're, banker? We're, we're together, right? Yeah. And so yeah. Uh, it's just great. It's encouraging in that way. And so uh, our prayer is that that would continue and, and grow, and, and we would see God use that as part of how he would reform and bring Christendom more to bear in this area is through working with other churches. Because we don't have all the gifts necessary to do that in our own local church. Right. But one of the things that I think is so beautiful is when I see Christians around the country, around the world, start new things, mm-hmm. right? Why can't we do that here? That's the question, right? Mm-hmm. Why can't we have uh, Christian coffee shops? Yeah. Why can't we have, we do, why can't we have Christian schools? Why can't mm-hmm. we have Christian banks? Like, why yeah. are those things that are like, for some reason, because it it has to do with interchanges in the world and mm-hmm. economics, right. making those things Christianized is off the table, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I brought this up yesterday in the sermon about how yeah. Jesus uses John the Baptist as his second witness to verify who he is and how that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And our own government and our own law still works very much in, in light of that truth. It's supposed to. Yeah. That, 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 <laughs> yes. That, 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 that is a law God established. Right. Because he knows what scoundrels we are and what liars we are. Mm -hmm. And so he established a standard that our own nation benefits from. It's not as if the laws that our nation has that are good laws, Mm -hmm. that are are right laws, suddenly just popped into Thomas Jefferson's head, right? right? Despite the spiritual state of our founding fathers, there was a biblical morality that was imparted in the founding of our nation. Yeah, and even the ones that, that are, it's pretty clear they were not Christians, had read the Bible well. Uh, mm-hmm. They were way better versed in it than many believers today, honestly. Yeah. Even those that we would say, you know, most likely or definitely weren't Christian. Yeah. They knew the Bible, and they valued the principles that, that God exposes in His Word. Um, 
my mind just blanked. You lost your train of thought. I did. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> so, well, so, so, well, this gets it. Maybe this will help you get back there. Mm. Is if if we're going to see a reformation in our area, and we're going to see some form of Christendom come to bear, yeah, then what were you going to say? Yeah. So I think part of that, like thinking about Christian businesses and Christian banks, whatever, that. For a while, and again, you might might go back to the seventies, eighties, nineties. Yeah, um, there were a lot of people who were putting the ichthus, the little little fish, on their business, and yeah. you know, Christian business, Christian business, and yeah. and in most, uh, <laughs> I'll go ahead and say it. At least in my town, I'm gonna say this for everywhere. But, you know, in in some towns, first Pres, first Baptist, first whatever, a lot of the business people went there. Because mm-hmm. it was a networking opportunity, right? It could be good mm-hmm. for a business to be a member of that church. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder how much, again, of, of our time right now is is a reflex against that because we saw people misusing that. Mm-hmm. And so now, okay, it's just off the table. Mm-hmm. It can't be a Christian business. I don't trust somebody that says they're a Christian business because they're trying yeah. to get one over on me. They're just trying to get me to trust them because they're a Christian and then they do yeah. shady work, which some of them did, right? But that doesn't mean that you have to be the one... <laughs> who does shady work, right? You can do no, it in right. the name of Christ. So the abuse of a good thing does not negate the right use of a good thing. But we we tend to have trouble holding those two things yeah. in our head. No, I think that that's helpful. So, so I think then just to move the conversation down the line is this question we have as we kind of make a case for, for localized Christendom, mm-hmm. making a case for redeeming uh, the time and building something um, and serving and living in light of Christ as King is can we make local missions great again? Mm-hmm. Can we change? And I'm putting this question to you because this is kind of your job title in our church. <laughs> How do you think it is best for churches to? Let me see the best way to ask this. How can how can churches reclaim local missions, hmm. or or what is the best approach? Yeah, um, to doing that. Yeah, why are we doing it the way we are? Yes, yeah. part, part of why we are doing it this way is is our neighborhood, right? Yeah. If if you're a church located in a different neighborhood, different kind of neighborhood than we are, then your ministries are going to look different to some extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even, you know, this summer I got to go down and visit a very large church down in Alabama in a very affluent area, and yet they still have great mercy ministry to those who are in need uh, because people know that they can go there and get help, and they've got some great success stories of helping people uh, get out of poverty, of helping people get back on their feet uh, through their mercy ministry. Uh, and, you know, some would say, well, it's easy when you're a rich church, but it takes intentional effort to do that mm-hmm. um, and the desire uh, to see that, but but we see that desire displayed in Christ and how he lived his life. Uh, he went everywhere, right? He mm. didn't neglect the leaders. He didn't neglect the wealthy. He spoke to them too, but we also see that he went out to the places where the outcasts were. He went outside the camp. Right. He went outside to where those who were unacceptable were to yeah. minister to them. Yeah. So if you're a church like us and you're in a neighborhood that's kind of surrounded by people that would be considered unacceptable, then you want to look at how can you best serve those folks as an act of mercy in Jesus' name. Not just to do a social program, right? It needs to be in the name of Jesus. It needs to be under the lordship of Christ. 
mm-hmm. and clear with that so that we're trying to share the gospel with folks uh, who come here yeah, uh, to receive either some sort of service or class or uh, help in some way that we're doing that in Jesus' name. And I think, you know, and, and, and partnering to do that, right? So we're a small church. We need outside help to be more effective at it. Um, so we've partnered with Friendship House and other ministries um, and other churches to, to help us. And we're talking about further partnerships, churches that maybe have more people and more resources um, but are in a different part of town. Yeah. They could help us out, and we could help them out yeah. uh, in some ways. So trying to develop those partnerships, being strategic about it under the Lordship of Christ, I think is, is the way to, to think more broadly about localized missions so that it's not just a bunch of individual churches not trying to do their own thing, but how can we actually work together like we, you know, our family and serve the same Lord yeah. um, and, and see things be done in a, in a better way, in a yeah. um, uh, more well-rounded, more full, right? All, all of the things that, that would be helpful to seeing these ministries grow and not just fizzle out or, or um, you know, be subpar, yeah. Uh, to to what the world offers, right? Because one of the one of the things that that led to the church being ascendant in the early church days was they were caring for the poor, they were caring for those in need better than mm-hmm. the pagans, yeah, right. And they were that even bothered the emperors, right? Like, yeah. How can these Christians be caring for our poor better than we do? This is yeah. bad. Yeah. Um. So we should not care for the poor less well than the pagans around us. Yeah. And so it gets at this. It, it gets at this underlying stream that we want to choose Christ over chaos. Mm-hmm. That many Christians stand in the world, they look around, and they say the world is in chaos, yeah. and I don't really know what to do about it. But for us, we're saying no, Christ can triumph over that chaos. Mm-hmm. But to do that, as individuals and as churches, we must bear the cross mm-hmm. of, of, of laboring among those who are um, in desperate need, both materially, but also, and more importantly, spiritually. Right. And so, and we're going to talk about that, this, the kind of the dichotomy and, and the tension and those things later on uh, in the season. But this decision that we want to make as a church that we're going to pick Christ over chaos. We're going to pursue Christ. We're going to bring Christ to bear in every situation to, to, to crush the head of, of, of a chaotic mm-hmm. and, and unruly sin patterns and, and the work of, of Satan and, and all of those things that we're going to actually yeah. do something about it. Right. And I, th- I think this is not to, to, to throw shade at anybody who was at this church before. You and I got here, uh, but I think for for a lot of those folks, then uh, they had been at this church long enough that they'd seen uh, the neighborhood and really the city, the entire culture, change and shifted on them. Mm-hmm. The ground underneath them had moved, yeah. and there was a place where it was. There was, and and I attribute a lot of this to poor pastoral leadership, mm. is nobody had any idea what to do. Uh, and, and so you begin to run to business ideas or run to throwing money at something. Mm-hmm. or uh, And that's where churches begin to get really pragmatic. Well, if we have yeah. a ball pit for the kids to jump in, then we'll get all the families to come, right? It, yeah. they, they run to all of these different things. All of this 
in light of me starting to read The Lord's Service by Jeffrey Meyer. This idea then that what we need is to shoulder the burden of declaring the gospel and bringing the kingdom to bear in places where it has been uh, forsaken, it has been lost, it has been ignored, and then praying that God would bring a revival as we see people's, not just people's souls and their spirituality and their faith reformed, but see their whole life experience a reformation where they're now working unto the glory of God. They're married unto the glory of God. They're raising children unto the glory of God. And I think we can step back and we begin to see an actual revival take place. So that's kind of, I think, what actually needs to happen is we need to actually think about getting the gospel and gospel application into people's lives. Right. And we can't do that, like you said, by ourselves. Right. And so really my burden and one of the things I've pressed the other pastors in our area when we've gotten together to pray is how are we going to do this together? Mm-hmm. How are we going to partner together? Like we're not going to be- suddenly become a, <laughs> a a dual church where we have Baptists and Presbyterians. Sure. Uh, all y'all out there are trying to play that. Good luck. Yep. But that doesn't mean we ain't going to partner with our brothers and sisters across town who are Presbyterians. Sure. We, of course, right. we are. Um, and so that gets that gets down to all of it. Um, Sorry, go ahead. What no, you I was just you know thinking about the Chesterton quote from the cold open and uh, all of that. We, where we have to start with this and what you're getting at, I think, is that that the lordship of Christ has to start with us as individuals mm-hmm. and in our homes, mm-hmm. and that as we do that, it's also going to be in the church, and if the church's leadership is driving that as well, then those things are going to actually work together and not against each other. Yeah. And as we do that, then whatever job somebody has, whether it's at a bank or digging ditches, whatever it is, that, that they're going to do that with excellence because of the Lordship of Christ. Yeah. And that that's going to have an impact then on the community around us. And so so really, to, to you know, we, we talked about some of the programs that we're doing, some of the ways that we're trying to serve the poor, but, but localized missions has to start with the individuals. The individuals do matter, and that individual discipleship matters. And, and that's where the, the it's not as practical or pragmatic as far as getting those big numbers and seeing yeah. this big thing happen, right? But when we see genuine moves of God, it's, it's typically because people have focused in on not just the individual, but on their homes and on the churches that they're a part of, on the businesses that they're in, that, that they're living under the lordship of Christ in that way. And, and as more and more people do that, then that reformation is taking that is the reformation that's taking place right we're living sure. more under the lordship yeah. of Christ yeah. and that's going to affect the the community at least the neighborhood around the church yeah. if not the whole city right Here, here's what drives me crazy about some christian podcasts is they talk as if and this was this was actually my problem now thinking back to my college years and thinking about back to those passion conferences and all that stuff mm-hmm. is they talk about the kingdom of god and like serving the kingdom of god as if it has to be like you standing on the helm of the boat as the mm-hmm. ramparts rage around you and yeah. and there's there's mortar just flying mm-hmm. and, and you're just yeah. like George Washington crossing the Delaware right. but what you just described is and even thinking back to the protestant reformation mm-hmm. right uh Luther's goal was not to begin a worldwide reformation movement. 
It was to get God's word into the people's hands mm-hmm. so that they may have an individual faith, right. that they may have a vibrant faith, that the gospel will be reclaimed. And then mm-hmm. two and three of the Reformation, after the word of God being in a language they could understand, was congregational singing mm-hmm. and family worship, yeah. that those two things grew out of it. And so what's so nuts to me about what you just said is that the the heart of Reformation and the seeds of Reformation are such boring things. Mm-hmm. They're such mundane things. So, so people from our church listening to this podcast are going to be like, well, that's what we already do. Yeah. These guys are not saying something that they haven't said to us a million times and that we don't see every Sunday, yeah. right? And, and just Well, this is one of the next questions I was going to ask is, or for us to think about is, how, are, how does the ordinary means of grace that the local church partakes in create... The, the 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 seedbed for Christendom and for Reformation. Mm-hmm. So four main ordinary means of grace would be the preaching of the word, mm-hmm. the right administration of the sacraments. So that's two and three, Lord's Supper, or baptism and Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth one would be the, the fellowship of the saints, mm-hmm. the, the church that is born out of those things, right? right. So you kind of think of the, the four means of gra- ordinary means of grace as steps, mm-hmm. if you will. There's, there's preaching, the gospel... Hearing the gospel leads to people repenting and being baptized. The baptism then rolls into them partaking of the the communal meal of mm-hmm. the supper, and then there's that community that's born out of it, that fellowship. Yeah. And what you just described, sorry, I'm kind of coming back around what you said because mm-hmm. it's all it's all clicking. It's all coming back to me, coming back to me now. Oh boy, as Saint Dion says. Yeah. Anyways, uh, just just one. One music reference this episode, Thanks. promise, um, is that these things that we do are not just things we do in obedience to God. Mm. They're things we do because we believe they're going to produce something, mm. right? I was talking to my wife about this with our kids. It's not it's not wrong for us to say, "Hey guys, if you guys will do your math for the next hour, when you get done, we'll let you go outside and play baseball." It's not wrong to motivate our kids yeah. at times. We can't do that with everything. But it's fine to be like, hey, you do this, mm-hmm. and it's going to produce this. Yeah. It'll produce this in the short term if you get to play baseball. But in the long term, you're actually mm-hmm. going to be able to get a job someday. Yeah. So that's. But, but I understand for a kid thinking about that may not be I a mean, giant yeah. motivation for you. I mean, it's a bit of a stretch. Yeah. But you As you say, get older. <laughs> you could say the book of Proverbs and Jesus himself holds out reward often as a motivation. yeah. yeah. And so why do we partake of the Lord's Supper every Sunday as a church? Mm-hmm. Because we believe it is creating a unity within our church, and it is declaring something so special. Yeah. And it's going to create something. Mm-hmm. that The Lord is going to use it as a means, right? right. To, to create in us a heart of unity and a heart of, of ongoing declaration. Yeah. So for me, that begs the question. Yeah. Do we actually believe that? Do we actually believe? Well, I believe it. <laughs> I mean, broadly speaking, right? I'm not saying, yeah. that, but but broadly speaking, do our members? Yeah. And do does the church in our area? Mm-hmm. Do they believe that the ordinary means of grace mm-hmm. is actually what God uses, mm-hmm. or is it only in special outpourings? Is it only in special times? Is um, it only yeah, in certain services? Right. Yeah. <laughs> is it the ordinary means that God uses? Mm-hmm. And then the next question is, and this kind of gets back to my whole. I know I've been on a cultural kick lately yeah but how much of 
our culture has influenced us to the point where these ordinary means of grace just seem boring. Like you that's said. What, that's what I was going to say. And because of that, we don't give ourselves to them in a way that they would actually produce fruit. Yeah. Right? Because there's so many things. Look at this flashy thing. Look at this yeah. exciting thing. Yeah. Go do this. This is exciting. This will get your adrenaline pumping. This will get your heart beating. This will do that. Right? And, and it'll happen quick. Right? It'll happen now. I mentioned this last night that, that we, we're so addicted to our microwaves because it's so much faster right, yeah. to, to yeah. get things done. Yeah. But we, we do that with everything. Yeah. And if we can't microwave our scripture reading and we can't microwave our prayer, then is there something else that I could do that would make this move along faster, please? I I don't wanna Sorry, let me open up a can no, at the I end. I don't wanna I don't wanna <laughs> uh uncarefully step on people's toes. Sure. But This is one of the big things that worries me when folks uh, miss the gathering of the saints Mm -hmm. when it's not for sickness or some other extenuating circumstance, just on a, like, whim. Sure. Um, It it reveals to me, maybe, not always, but maybe, it reveals a lack of trust in the means that God has given to actually do something. Yep. Right, and and I'm not saying that our family never misses church. We do from time to time, um, but when we do, we suffer. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if other people feel that or not. That would just be a personal question to ask. Sure. You know, do do we suffer when we're not here? Uh, I certainly know that I do, and I don't think it's because I'm a pretty boring person and I don't have any other friends outside of our church. Mm-hmm. Th- those things are true, <laughs> but that's not the reason that I suffer. Right. Um, I think the reason I suffer is because I, at least we have just built into the DNA of our family and in, in my and Megan's heart, we rely so much on the gathered peoples. Mm-hmm. We rely so much. Now, I realize I'm the one doing most of the preaching, but I, I rely on you and Sean on Sunday nights to, to feed me. Mm-hmm. Um, I rely on you know whatever I'm giving on Sunday mornings or, or whenever that it's going to be good that I'm going to benefit from it. And I do yeah. benefit from it. it right. A lot of the times during the week and a lot of the times on Sunday morning, I'm preaching. I'm like, I needed to hear what I just said. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. But the same way with the Lord's Supper. Yeah. You know? It's the same way with, with, with when we have gatherings and we're together. Like, it's mm-hmm. life-bringing. Right. Um, and I realize for some folks it's not that way, at least when it comes to, like, groups. Mm-hmm. I understand that. But but there's a there's a... A particular blessing that God has placed upon these things, right? And I realize this is kind yeah. of taking things a whole different direction, but one of the reasons I wonder if—well, no, I don't wonder this. I know this. The reason that a lot of churches languish and and some of them die is because they haven't prized these things. Mm-hmm. They've wanted a pastor who was a good business leader and charismatic and could mm-hmm. do the next quick thing and right. just make the church grow right. or. Or they, they just take the Lord's Supper and it's just a memorial and anybody mm-hmm. and everybody can come and take it. And it's not really a special thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they dunk whoever raises their hand with every head bowed and every eye closed. Um, and, and then when they get together, it's either a gossip fest, it's a food fest, or, or it's a, a, a fight fest. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, they're just yeah. always 
it, it's not like a blessed time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why we see the church doing what they're doing back in the beginning of Acts. Mm-hmm. And why the church grew the way it did is because God was obviously doing something very special there, yes. But there was also a blessedness that was happening in these ordinary means. And so to get back to the idea of Christendom and the idea of Reformation, the idea mm-hmm. of establishing these things, and even to get back to, and this is where we'll kind of wrap things up for this time, to get back to the idea of leaving a heritage to our families. We haven't mm-hmm. talked about this very much, and maybe we'll get into this more next time. We have got to prize the things of this world that God has given us that do not necessarily glisten and glitter in the modern times. Mm-hmm. We have got to get back to loving these ordinary, boring means and doing the slow, careful work of Reformation. And stop expecting... When Martin Luther rolls up to the church in Wittenberg and pulls out this scroll where he has written down these these 95 debating points and Mm -hmm. nails them to, for all intents and purposes, the community bulletin board... Mm -hmm. So that the the conference of 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 bishops and and Catholic priests who are in town for for the weekend will see them. Mm-hmm. He was not intending to turn everything on its head. Right. He was just following protocol. Mm-hmm. I got some debating points. I'm going to put them up for everybody to see, and I'm ready to go toe to toe with these guys whenever they're ready. Right. And I'm just going to be faithful. Yeah. And boom. They get ripped off the door, they get printed into tracks, they get passed all over Europe, and the thing is just rolling down a hill, and Martin Luther's on the underside of it, like, what is going on? (laughs) And so I think we underestimate what God can do Mm -hmm. in a city, in an entire city, when there's a group of people who have committed themselves to His means and His ways and being faithful to bring Christ to bear over the chaos of the world. Yeah, let me give you a final illustration I think that helps with that as okay. far as that applying it to our individual lives, our families, and our church, right? Yeah. So several years ago I got sick, and part of the treatment for it was I had to go on a very restrictive diet. Mm-hmm. And so for like that. three months I couldn't have any sugar of any yeah. type whatsoever. Yeah. And my, my food was very basic and bland for the most part. Now yeah. I could use some seasonings and it was good, right? But my taste buds changed in that three months, Yeah. right? And so we were driving to Tennessee to see my family, and uh, I had not had any sugar, even fruit. Right, couldn't yeah. have fruit, no, no kind of sugar. Yeah, we were on our way, and it was coming to the end of my time. And so my wife had one of these just little natural fruit strips yeah. that the kids were going to eat. Right, yeah. and I took a bite of that. Yeah, and my cheeks like locked up and entangled at the sweetness yeah. of just this natural fruit You were fruit like strip. a newborn babe. It was nuts, yeah. right? Yeah. And, a, and a few days later, I had a piece of chocolate, Yeah. and it, I, I, did, I, I couldn't take too much of it. It was so yeah. intense, yeah. right? Because my yeah. taste buds changed. Yeah, yeah. We have a steady diet mm. from our culture, from yeah. our entertainment, yeah. from all of these other things that have affected our taste buds yeah. a lot. Yeah. And as we fast from those things and dig into God's Word, we will find that it's not actually boring. It's not actually that ordinary. It really is special revelation, right? It is God speaking to His people. But if we just continue on with this diet of junk all the Mm -hmm. time, Mm -hmm. we can expect not to enjoy our time in His Word and prayer. 
Amen. And with his people. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Well, that's great because next time we're going to think about, okay, how do we do this slow and steady work uh, and think about it for generations ahead? Mm. We're going to think more about heritage. We're going to think more about uh, if Christians can actually change the world, how does what we plan for and prepare for and work toward now affect the coming generation? Mm. And, And how are we equipping them? How are we equipping each other? We're going to think about more about discipleship. So all of that uh, next time in the next episode. This is good stuff, man. Yeah, enjoyed it. All right. Until next time. <laughs>